Welcome to the Fire Trainers Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Our podcast is part of the concealedcarry.com network brought to you by XS Sites, the fastest sites in any light. Today, we'll have a panel discussion to talk about diversity within the 2A community and how trainers can help with that diversity. Before we jump into this week's podcast, a quick reminder that the Guardian Conference on September 17th and 19th is coming up fast. At the conference, we'll have an opportunity to take training from some of the best trainers in the nation. Go to guardianconference.com for more info. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every fireman instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. We save a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by XS Sites. Every site made over the last 25 years has been made in-house in the USA and comes with a 30-day money-back guaranteed, even if they are installed. This allows you to get the sites that will work with your vision. So pick up a set today. Quick note, this is a long episode, everyone. I appreciate your patience with that, but I thought it was really important to publish all the feedback from the panel in its entirety. And now on to the episode. Today, we're taking on the topic of diversity in the 2A community. It's a challenging topic, and I definitely don't pretend to know all the answers. Uh, The one thing I will know is I'm asking questions. I'm being open to feedback, and I'm listening to people. And I'm glad to be able to pull this this diversity panel together. We have uh, four people here with us tonight. We have Gina Roberts. We have Beth Vaughn, Tamika Love, and Chris Chang. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for having us. First thing I'd like to do is to have everybody do their do a quick intro of who they are, where they came from, and what they do in the firearm community. Because I think from the standpoint of when we're thinking about diversity, it's not always you know somebody who's you know shooting pistols or somebody who's shooting rifles or somebody shooting shotguns. It's across across the board for it. Uh, we'll start with the first one. Gina, can you do uh, give us an introduction of yourself? My, my elevator introduction speech. Okay, so um, I've been shooting uh, competitively and recreationally for about 55 years now. Um, I've uh, been active in the Second Amendment community uh, entirely through that whole time. I uh, transitioned uh, from male to female uh, about nine years ago and stepped right back into the 2A community uh, with San Diego County gun owners and the NRA and so well, if it's if there's a gun organization, I pretty much belong to it. I need to talk to Chris about his new one. Um, I, uh, I I instruct at uh, Frontside Firearms Institute. Um, I generally don't instruct one on one. I my purpose and what I love the most is to take people of underserved communities out, get them used to um, shooting. Uh, setting off that explosion 30 inches in front of your face, which is just plain not a natural act, get people comfortable. And then I, I like to bring them into one of my, uh, my professional uh, training friends that make a living doing it. And uh, so that way it benefits both the uh, student and the instructor. Nobody's wasting any time. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm deep. My favorite project is the DC project. I, uh, the uh, women for gun rights. We go to, um, um, Washington, D.C. and see our legislators there. And I'm also the state director for the California version of that, uh, going out and beating the doors down in beautiful Sacramento with our really responsive uh, legislature. Yeah, I'll move on. 
<laughs> well, thank you, Gina, for that. Beth, I'd like to pass it over to you and have you do your introduction. Awesome. Thanks, Rob. Um, so, yeah, I'm Beth Vaughn. Um, I, oh gosh, where do we start? Um, so, <laughs> I actually, um, my background in firearms didn't start um, until about six and a half, seven years ago, as far as um, concealed carry, personal defense, that kind of stuff. Um, I am a survivor of domestic violence. And when I ended that cycle of abuse, um, I was working in law enforcement at the time. Um, my ex took it upon himself to do anything he could to destroy that career for me. Um, so I ended up, I left law enforcement for a while um, and then stumbled upon a little company called Delta Defense. Um, when most people know it as the USCCA, which is the United States Concealed Carry Association. Um, I started with that company when there was just 45 people under that roof. Um, and last month, I actually, so six and a half years later, um, last month, I just resigned um, from my position there. Um, my heart's always been in law enforcement and I just, the times we're in, I needed to do something. And I, I have done a lot of things um, with starting with Delta or USCCA when it was so small. Um, I got right into the training division, became an instructor, training counselor, senior training counselor. Um, I uh, was an active um, acting training counselor for the new defensive shooting fundamentals curriculum um, and just had some incredible opportunities to take advantage of some training and just traveling and lots and lots of different things. Um, shortly after working for the company, um, Tim Schmidt, the CEO, um, convinced me to get up in front of the company, which most people hate public speaking, and I was definitely not a fan, but um, he encouraged me to talk about the abuse and just share my story because people, some people, somebody needs to hear it. You've, you've got something to say that somebody needs to hear. Um, and I wrote about a page and a half of that. I read the first sentence and a half, and I cried the rest of the time. Um, but what that did is the outpouring of support and just the power that that, that few minutes, what felt like hours um, on that stage gave me to, you know, a year later, sit down with the writer and my, my story of domestic violence was published in Concealed Carry Magazine in 2018. Um, and since then, it's just been this forward momentum of, I just, I never want anybody to feel like I did. Um, so after all of that, um, I've, I've done a lot in my local community. Um, and, and like I said, I'm just, that, that blue line just has never faded for me. I, I've had this pull back in law enforcement and that's where I, I feel like I need to be. Um, so making some big changes. So thanks for having me. Thank you, Beth. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, now I'd like to go along to Mika. Can you do your introduction? Sure. Hi there, Rob and everybody. It's great to be here again. Um, so my name is Tamika Love and I am an NRA instructor. I actually just got <clears throat> that certification, wow, a year ago, uh, June. Um, and so I will hit the ground running. Um, I'm from Indiana, but I've moved out west to good old Nevada. Two thumbs up. <laughs> um, so my wife and I, we started classes and basically our heartbeat was to and still is to empower um those who you know women of color um women men 
anyone who feels like uh, they want to be involved in uh, firearms training, most of it is totally focused on safety. Um, many of the ladies that come to our class, and we've had we've had a diverse class. We've had uh, uh, young, we've had um, older uh, people come to our classes. We we've had um, a nice um, combination of people from all backgrounds um, to learn. Uh, in Indiana, you don't you, you didn't need a class for CCW, so it was great to see people come out to learn gun safety. Even though they already had CCWs, a lot of them would buy a firearm already and had no idea how to use it, new in the box. Um, so most of the population, uh, and we we had classes constantly. Um, so now in Nevada, uh, we're just looking to break new ground and to continue the process of helping people uh, learn how to be uh, responsible and safe gun owners. Well, thank you, Tamika. You know that, and this is the third or fourth time you've actually been on. So I yes. uh, appreciate you making time for uh, this panel. I'm glad to do it. Yeah. And Chris, can you uh, introduce yourself and your background? Yeah, sure. Thanks. So my name is Chris Chang. And I'm History Channel's Top Shot Season 4 Champion. And uh, in the 2A community, I'm both a firearms instructor, uh, NRA certified pistol, rifle, and shotgun uh, but a lot of my time and energy actually goes into the advocacy piece and uh, advocating for LGBT and Asian inclusion and, uh, and outreach. Uh, I serve on the outreach committees for both the NRA and for the NSSF, which is the National Shooting Sports Foundation. And you know, I think the, the, the quick primer for me is, you know, when I won Top Shot, I'm, I'm a self-taught amateur. Uh, I live in San Francisco, California, and I work in Silicon Valley. And I just thought, oh, you know, I will go apply for one of my favorite uh, TV shows, uh, not really having any credentials, not having a ton of experience with firearms. But I trained really hard and, and made the sacrifices that were required to go from self-taught amateur to professional. And Winning Top Shot um, changed my life. You know, I beat 17 competitors, you know, ranging from military, law enforcement, Olympic shooters, lifelong hunters. And I won $100,000 cash prize along with a pro shooting contract with Bass Pro Shops. And so I quit my job at Google back in 2012. And this, I spent four years full-time in the firearms industry, just learning as much as I could and just understanding what this, what this, what this industry was all about. I didn't really have any gun friends, uh, but you know, 10 years later, uh, I've met so many wonderful people. Uh, I'm really honored and uh, happy to be here today with, uh, uh, with, you know, all of you here. Um, and um, yeah, I guess the last few things to mention, uh, I'm the author of a book called Shoot to Win. It's a book for the beginning marksman, and it's my way of paying it forward and sharing all of the tips and insights that I studied and that I learned about the finer points of marksmanship. Um, and then uh, I'm on the board of directors for the Pink Pistols, which is a pro 2A, pro LGBT organization. And I'm also part of um, a new gun organization, which we can uh, you know, talk a little bit more in depth. Uh, it's called APAGOA, stands for Asian Pacific American gun owners association and i'm on the founding board and uh, for that you know we're responding to the massive increase in interest in firearms from a brand new um what do i call it here uh you know just a brand new group of, of new gun owners 
who over the past year and a half have decided to join the ranks and purchase their first firearms. So uh, that's me in a nutshell. And I guess with that, there's only one more guest who needs to introduce himself. <laughs> yes, thanks, Chris. And that is uh, Tony Simon. He was a little bit late to uh, join, but we are glad to have you on tonight. Uh, Tony, if you can do a quick intro, we'd appreciate it. All right. <clears throat> Sorry about being late. I was actually doing a podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they get in the way of everything. Yeah, don't they? <laughs> I'm Tony Simon. I host the second is for everyone diversity shoot. Uh, I started out in New Jersey in 2015. The entire point was to introduce new firearms owners or people that don't even own a firearm to firearms owners and to their human right of self-defense is codified by the second amendment. Uh, I started it up and the very first event had like four people <laughs> and uh, we did it every other month in 2020. Uh, we started doing it every month and spread to Pennsylvania. And in 2021, I've been uh, doing events in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and I just came back from Nebraska working with the Nebraska Firearms Owners Association. And we host an event out in Omaha. So we've grown exponentially, which is awesome. And our whole point is to introduce people, all people, regardless of religion, gender, sexual orientation, background. The whole point is this is your human right. We want to introduce it to you in a safe, inclusive manner. We also want to in introduce you to Second Amendment advocates. So, you know, as a gun owner, there's a whole nother fight to be fought. So that's what we did. We uh, got together with Second Amendment groups and they come to an event and talk to people about what they do. And we just spread the message. And also there's no competition between groups because I am not a group. I'm a facilitator. I'm introducing you to these groups. And I think that helped out a lot. So that's what I do. And I also host the Second is for Everyone podcast, which is the McRib of podcast. Um, I don't come out every week. But every time I come out, you look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tony. Really, really, really appreciate you making time tonight. And uh, know what it means. Uh, you were on another podcast and just uh, keep rolling with it type of thing. Uh, first question uh, for everybody is what does diversity mean to you? Because diversity for me might be a little bit different in my community than it might be, it might be in California or it might be in New Jersey, uh, in Nebraska versus Wisconsin, all those types of things. Uh, Gina, you want to take that question first? Well, I, I think one of the, the easiest things for me to um, kind of use as an example for diversity is I, I'm the kind of lead instructor for a organization called Guns and Moses, which started out as an Orthodox Jewish shooting organization. And uh, the gentleman who started it came to me and said, Gina, I want you to be my instructor. And I'm like, uh, I'm, I, you know, I'm not Jewish. And I have these other things that some of your people might not appreciate. And they're like, well, then they won't learn anything uh, if they don't participate. So it was really uh, fascinating. In fact, you can see on my badge here, I have my Jewish lettering name here. <laughs> um, uh, just because we've developed such an excellent rapport, um, and um, but the big, you know, biggest thing is, is, and I've seen in the two A community pretty much. I mean, I've seen the the jerks that bother, you know, come out after uh, trans people, and and but you know, it's still a little little piece of the pie. But getting like what Tony's saying, we just need to, you know, stress the fundamental fact that this is a human basic human right. And, uh, you know, our uh, founding fathers 
you know, it reminded, remember to include it in the most important documents in our country. So that's kind of a good way to put it, I think. <laughs> mm -hmm. Very good. Well, uh, Tamika, you want to add on onto that? Yeah, I think what comes to mind immediately, uh, if I put it in a phrase, is more of others not like me. Um, and that's one of the things that we loved about our classes is we were delighted uh, to, to, to see so many people that were coming from different places, backgrounds, perspectives, um, gender, uh, race, age. Um, and we, you know, came with the difference in sexuality. Uh, so it, it just made more of a whole. So it's all, all the different pieces coming together to make a uh, bigger, clearer picture. Good. Appreciate that. I definitely believe you, uh, you know, having more views is better. Chris, any, any comments? Yeah. One other thing I'd, I'd love to add on is diversity of thought. And so the second amendment in the gun community means very different things or can mean different things to different people. You know, even within the two A community, right? We're not a single monolith and uh, right, there's a, a varying level of uh, perspectives and ideology. And um, I think that diversity of thought is, is really important. And I mean, specifically, I remember when I first got into the industry and, you know, the AR-15 started to get vilified, that we had a lot of the skeet and clay shooters, you know, who had their over-under shotguns, who basically said, oh, well, the AR-15 people, right? Oh, like, let's not get wrapped up in, in the assault weapons ban controversies. And, and I think that's detrimental, right? That kind of attitude of even within the gun community of, oh, you know, those type of gun owners, or, you know, I don't associate with hunters, or I don't like, you know, whatever kind of gun owner or recreational sports shooter, right? That, 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 that lack of diversity of thought is, is pretty dangerous, right? It does not help our cause. It, it does not help further the goal of freedom in our country. And I think we just, we need to have a healthy respect that there is a diversity of thought within the Second Amendment community. And that, right, just because you own an AR-15 doesn't make you, uh, doesn't make you evil or better or worse than anybody else, right? We're all, we're all gun owners who, who believe in, in the right to bear arms. Uh, and I guess the last thing I'll say on this point is, you know, the Second Amendment is like the next it's very different than gun ownership and i'll just use myself as an example you know before i won top shot i, I was not a second amendment advocate i did not care about the second amendment i did not care about gun rights like for me shooting was just a fun thing that i occasionally did right i just go to the range punch some holes in paper and that's it like all right it's this fun thing um and i think within the 2a community we have to acknowledge that right just because you own a gun doesn't mean you're for gun rights. Does, and it does not mean that you stand for the second amendment. It might just be, I want to protect my family or I just want to have fun with, with my, whatever, you know, firearm that I have. And I think the big goal for me personally, and I, I think for everyone here on this panel is to try and get more people, not just into, you know, shooting guns and owning them, but then moving into the, the, the appreciation at minimum, the appreciation of the second amendment, and then hopefully, right, bring them into the advocacy sphere and the fun. Mm -hmm. That is, uh, there's lots of fun to be had within the uh, 2A community and such. Uh, Beth, I see you smiling. You have something good there? Well, I don't know if it's good, but I got a couple points to add. Um, <laughs> okay. 
So for me, I think diversity was not anything that I ever, ever really thought about. Um, I grew up in a very, very small community. There was no diversity at all. Um, I grew up in the times of my grandfather said every inappropriate word, phrase, joke that I could have ever heard. Um, And when I was little, like I didn't think anything of it. It was just life. Um, and then growing up and growing out, I like to say is just, it wasn't just about coming out it was growing out, right? Like growing in such a small community and, and just being surrounded by that closed minded, just everybody goes to this little corner cafe. Everybody drinks the coffee. Everybody goes to this corner bar. Cause it's Wisconsin and we've got a million of them. Um, mm-hmm. but it, it was more about growing out. Um, and for me, I guess what really the change for me happened actually, you know, while throughout my my journey of domestic violence and, and in my intro, I didn't really talk about how I fit to this panel. But um, in in with the whole domestic violence and 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 dealing with that and and kind of taking my whole life and turning it upside down. Right. I mean, during that part of my life, I lied to everybody that I was happy. Things were amazing. It was great because I knew if I didn't, what would happen? Right. So for me, you know, I kind of, my whole world crashed. Um, I met my now wife and actually Sunday will be married six years. Um, and I just remember working with Delta defense. And I mean, if you pick up a copy of Beth Elkazar's women's handgun fundamentals book, and you look at the back cover, that's me. There's a picture of me with hair. Um, so my transition of the whole diversity was nobody really knew that I was gay because I didn't open my mouth and say it. I didn't give it a label. And because I had the long hair and I didn't dress, you know, very stereotypical um, in some of the and some of the lesbian categories, people had no idea. So for me, I kind of went through this whole like. I kind of went crazy and I just said, you know what, I'm taking control of my life. I'm done with this. And if you see some of, I mean, I've been in numerous photo shoots and video shoots with USCCA. And if you see some of my older stuff, you see me with hair, then transitioning to just a totally different person. But what comes along with that is the diversity because at the beginning people didn't know I didn't have to say anything. And I didn't, I didn't get this feeling or this, the nonverbal cues of from the people that didn't agree with my lifestyle because they didn't know about my lifestyle. So transitioning and cutting all my hair off and, you know, having just this rock star mentality and this rock star image, like that alone, the, the change and, and what diversity means is, was a feeling. And it was something that I kind of had to get more used to as my look and as my personality actually finally got to come out um, so really it, it wasn't, it just, it, it's very different and I, and hopefully I'm making sense, but it's one of those things like people that loved me and knew me. And then all of a sudden I came out to them. The only thing that had changed was that I was being honest with myself and them and being happy and saying, I'm done with somebody else controlling my life and having some of those people say, I absolutely don't agree with your lifestyle. 
and throw the Bible at me and I'm I'm going to hell. Right. Um, When five minutes before that, they loved me. They're giving me a hug and a kiss and saying, you know, you're the greatest person ever. And that alone, that transition at that point wasn't about the two way community. But the more that I became involved with it, with USCCA and doing the different activities and the different training events and, and, and things like that, as that changed, how people treated me non-verbally changed and I could pick up those cues. So diversity is, I think growing up in a small community, I was so much more sensitive to it once I grew out of that community. And I love anybody and everybody who can be a nice person. And I wish we had more of that. <laughs> well, thank you, Beth, for uh, that. And uh, you're, you're a rock star. I've seen you teach before. And you do great for the 2A community and educating new gun owners. And, uh, and also, uh, congratulations on your six-year anniversary. My husband and I, we just celebrated last night, our, our six-year as well. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, two, two on the show. That's it. That's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Super. I just, I just had my 33rd, 32nd anniversary with my spouse. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Good. Thanks. Well, Hey, Tony, um, what, you know, anything to add to uh, diversity from your standpoint? Well, I think everybody nailed it. Um, they talk about diversity of thought, diversity of background, diversity of sexuality. Everybody nailed that. And I, I think they're right. Um, way too many, what I found living in Jersey, living in urban areas, is we have people from every background here. Uh, coming from a small town? No, you didn't. Yes, we had some people that might have been gay, but no one said anything. But this was back in the 80s when I was there. But being here, uh, being in the Northeast, being half an hour away from New York City, we have all kinds of people here. And sometimes when we have the gun owners come in, they're like, oh, those people are. And I'm like, look, those people are you. Those people are us. There is no those people. What we talk about here is us, we the people, and our rights and our human right. And I don't want to discuss anything else. We're talking Second Amendment. We're talking human rights. I don't want to hear about who you voted for. I don't want to hear about what you think of someone else's lifestyle as if you have a choice over that any damn way. Um, so I, I just squash all of that from the beginning and I let them know I'm not going to put up with the nonsense. But... Also, why we love you. <laughs> also, I have to tell people, meeting people halfway is no compromise. Meeting people halfway is still staying in your comfort zone. So when you come to my event, you may have to deal with someone who's never met someone that was gay before, that, that never met someone that was Muslim and doesn't know and will say things that might offend you. But understand, you should meet them at 60%. You should go a little bit out of your comfort zone and understand that they might mean nothing by this but they don't know how to say what they mean. Like take that into account too, because we're exposing people to not only firearms, but different lifestyles that they might not know about or whatever, be comfortable with as again, you have a damn choice over that. But I enjoy the, the camaraderie that we have at these events because we break bread, we have fun, we make jokes and we also introduce people to different firearms. So like Chris was talking about the over under shotgun guys, we have people come in with their shotguns. My volunteers, they come in with the boomstick. 
Um, some of them show up with really cool, awesome, really expensive guns <laughs> and like that you wouldn't <laughs> see. And all of a sudden I get to shoot that. And when I have guys from New Jersey come to Pennsylvania, all of a sudden they're shooting fully automatic weapons. And this is a person who never fired a gun before. And now she's shooting an MP5 and she's looking at me like she's a Disney. And I'm like, <laughs> this is what it's all about. And we have fun. So there's a lot of diversity there in, in everything from thought to background to even firearms that people bring or have. So that's what diversity is. It's all of that. And everything everyone else said too. Yep, that's uh, definitely, and uh, I can identify, um, you know, with Beth. You know, I grew up in a small community, you know, you know, with you know, not a lot of diversity. But at the same point, um, you know, I was also taught in that same community about being receptive to other people um, because there are all different kinds of religions, um, you know, backgrounds, uh, ethnicities, you know, everything, and. Just like Tony said, there's going to be different people saying things different ways because they don't know a better way of saying it. I mean, if somebody goes along and calls something a clip, everybody's head starts exploding, right? Instead of calling it a magazine. But at the same time, <laughs> if they don't know anything better then we as a 2A community just need to go along and make sure that we're, you know, educate them in a respectful way because they're trying to exercise their 2A rights just as much as the person who's go going out there uh, and, uh, you know, shooting a um, IDPA match or taking training, different things like that. So that's great. Here's a good question uh, or a question for everybody and share as you uh, feel. Can you share a situation where you felt uncomfortable at a 2A event? And one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up for the listeners is because it's really easy to go along for all of us to shake our heads and say, yeah, I'm, I'm going along and being receptive. I'm going along and being diverse. But as everybody's been talking about, could could we have done something a little different? Um, Beth has already talked about where you know she didn't feel completely welcomed all the time at different places. Are we doing things subconsciously? And that's where hearing from people and understanding what made them uncomfortable, whether that is um, on purpose or whether it's it's unintentional. I think it's also important for people to uh, realize, especially instructors, as they're listening to this. Uh, you know, how can you make people feel welcome if you don't understand what makes them feel uncomfortable about things? Tony, you want to take it this time? We'll start with, start with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not bright enough to be uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just okay. not that bright. Um, my very first shooting event I went to in New Jersey, I still remember it because it's funny. I was online and I saw something for cowboy action shooting. I'd never heard of it before. So I typed in cowboy action shooting on a Sunday, like seven o'clock, you know, when you fall down a YouTube rabbit hole. And um, it was like, hey, we have a group called Holding the Wall Gang here in New Jersey, and they're having a shoot today. I found their website. I called them up and I was like, hey, I'd like to come to your event. And the guy was like, well, I'm the president of the association. Come on down. Here's the directions to the range. I'd never even been to a range in Jersey before. So I drove and I'm driving for like an hour and a half and I get to this range in the middle of nowhere. And I'm punching in the code to get onto the range. And it freaking suddenly hits me. I told no one in my family where I was going. I told nobody what I was doing. And I'm about to go hang out with a bunch of white people that think the time of the cowboy was the greatest time in America. And I'm like, that wasn't a good time for brothers. And now I'm hanging out with these people in the middle of nowhere. and No one knows where I'm at. <laughs> I was like, this could be a problem for me. But again, not being that bright, I was like, well, in for a penny, in for a pound. 
And I rolled in and I had a great time. These were wonderful people. They introduced me as if I was a long lost relative to everyone that was there. So yeah, I kind of am that dude that will step out. And if something's not right, I'll say something and it is what it is. And, um, I've had fun, but I've had people point out to me things that they were uncomfortable about um, at my event, and I tried to rectify them. I had a Muslim uh, group come to my event, and while the guys were teaching the female how to shoot a gun, they put their hands on her to change her grip, you know, to get her squared up behind the firearm. And I had someone approach me afterwards and say, listen, they're not related to her. They shouldn't put their hands on her. Um, Some of the guys were saying curse words. And that was that 60% I'm telling you about that you have to understand that there are different cultures. There are different things. And I did speak to my guys and I told them, you can't put your hand on someone who's Muslim. That's against their culture. And truthfully, you should ask anybody, can you put your hands on them when you're instructing them? Um, And I also spoke to them about cursing. I'm like, look, I understand you're comfortable, but we have brand new people here that aren't comfortable with you saying four-letter words and cursing and understand this is an introduction. We're trying to put our best foot forward at our events. And I'm not like yelling at them anything because sorry, I was in the Marine Corps. Trust me, I can curse with the best of them. But when we're at my event, you have to put your big boy pants on and speak like an adult. And and that's what we did. So yeah, I've not felt uncomfortable, but I've helped others that have. Well, thank you. Tamika, do you have something to share? Uh, you know, I was trying to think about um, any time we've felt uncomfortable. And um, I recalled a time, uh, and actually it was more of a one-on-one and with, with an individual. Um, and it was our last class that we hosted in, in, in Indiana. Um, and we got into the range a little early. Uh, the door wasn't open yet. And there was a gentleman there. And he was, he was an older white gentleman. And we came to the door to pull on it at the same time. And, um, you know, we kind of chatted about, oh, they changed their time. And um, I asked him what he was there to do and what he'd be shooting. And um, he asked me what I was there for. And, and I mentioned that I was an NRA instructor. We were having a class that day. And, and I promised it looked like he saw a ghost. And, I, you know, he asked me with kind of a <laughs> judgmental um, kind of perspective. He's like, well, how'd you do that? And I thought, well, uh, you know, I, I went went to a course and I told him about American defense and I told him about the, <laughs> I shot right, uh, you know, and I, and I got my license. Is that something you're interested in? Um, the training certificate, is that something that you're interested in? And he just was shocked for a moment. And of course, you know, I'm trying to make it better for him in that moment because, you know, it's obvious what it was. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a female, I'm a, I'm a black female. And how, do, how did you become, you know, an NRA trainer? And then on top of that, we start talking about, you know, I shift the conversation and talk about the things that we carry. And uh, he said he was there to shoot a 45. And I said, oh, you yeah. uh, know, my wife, she carries a, a 45. Uh, she carries a big old a gun like that. That's a big gun for, for a girl. And I thought, well, you should see her shoot it. You know, <laughs> I got excited at that point. But you know what? Some might say, was well, that a 2A problem? Um, well, is it? It could be. And that leads us to the conversation about accountability, I think. And, and we are accountable. And it's the ones, as we're hearing here, that will stand up that will correct and redirect um, inappropriate 
behaviors um, everywhere um, in our communities and, and, and nothing's different in the in 2A community. So education and accountability um, and it's going to take that to help mindsets change. And, you know, um, so it could have been uncomfortable, but I, I think just with a lot of the different educating I've done for myself. Um, and I felt compassion for, for, for that gentleman. I really did. Um, so, so yeah, that, that, um, was a different experience and, um, it turned out better than I thought, but it could have been very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's, it's one of those things I'll take a, you know, word from Tony, uh, you know, meeting them 60% of the way there to get them to understand, and hopefully they'll meet you 60%. So you, you've got that 20% overlap. So, yes, uh, you did really good there. Hey, Gina, you, uh, you share uh, some of your experiences. Um, well, first of all, I'm, I'm kind of like Tony. I, I, it takes a lot for someone to really actually bother me that they're, they're being a jerk. And usually I'm, I'm so gregarious and just out there that people just don't get a chance to, to be obnoxious. And I just don't let them be, be that way. Um, with the funniest thing that ever happened to me was I was in Pennsylvania working for a little while. I told you a little bit about that earlier. And on my last week, uh, they were sending me home and I was all pissed off. And, you know, all those things that people get because I didn't want to change my life at that point in time. So I went shooting. Doesn't everybody go shooting to get chill? You know, and uh, so I was out there and I set up, I was practicing for my combat master test. And, and I was shooting 50 yards with, uh, you know, a nine or something like that. And this guy comes up and he wants to shoot. So I unload and let him go out and put his target out at 50 yards. I'm not quite sure why he's doing that. And he comes back and on the way back, he's like, oh, you're one of them blank, 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 trans people. And I'm like, dude, I don't eat. I mean, my brain's like, I don't want to deal with this right now. But he wouldn't stop. And, and he's like, you know, you know, you know the same crap that comes out of people that just don't have it. You know, that's one reason I love about the DC project, about educating over legislating. So it's all about education. And uh, so he kept on. And I said, that, look, dude, that's it. I'm tired. We're going to shoot this out right now. You know, I'm going to, you know, you're going you're to pretend you're standing behind my target. I'm going to pretend you're standing, uh, you know, vice versa. And we're going to shoot 50 yards. And he said, what are we going to do? And I said, we're going to shoot headshots at 50 yards. And um, so I proceeded to put four nine millimeter rounds in a circle like that, dead center in the middle of the head box. Um, and so he, and I put my gun down and said, okay, I'm done. And he's like, well, you only shot four rounds. That's all I needed. And um, so he gets up there and he starts pounding away. And I'm like calling his shots. Well, that one might hit paper. Um, yeah, that one didn't. And, and so eventually we walk out to the, to the range, you know, and unload. And, and uh, he like, it was, it was like artistic. He looked at his target and there was one hole in the target. And it was way outside of the, of the, of the target target. And he looked at mine and I had my abdomen shots, you know, my center of mass shots that I've been doing before. It was a group about like this centered over the heart and then four perfect shots in the middle of the head box. I'm like looking at this going, there is no way I could ever do this again under any circumstances. But, you know, he looks at it and he looks at me and he looks at it and he looks at me. And I mean, it was like a tank on a turret for about, you know, seemed like forever. He looked at me and said, would you go to lunch with me? And I'm like, okay, this is a, this is a concealed sherry state. I'm good. I, you know, I'll carry no problem, you know? And uh, said, yeah, I want to buy you lunch. I need to talk about this. And um, 
So we packed up our shit and got on the road and went to one of those classic East Western Pennsylvania greasy spoon um, dive grills that I love. And we talked for about two hours. And um, at the end of that, he stood up and looked at me and said, can I give you a hug? I'm like, yeah, I still got my gun. I'm cool. You know? <laughs> and he hugs me and he steps back and said, I will never, ever let somebody do that again. And I will never do it again. Thank you so much for having that conversation with me. And meanwhile, my, my, that those damn onion dishes kept running through the room and my eyes kept running <laughs> and things like that. But, you know, that's just, you know, like Tony said, it's, it's about education. It's about, you know, sometimes pretend to be naive. You know, if, if somebody calls me a him or a, a he or whatever, I don't care. It's, some of my old friends that I've known for 30 years do that. And it's not intentional. It's not, it's not a, a focus to try to make me feel bad. It's just their natural response. And, um, and I have fun with it. It, it. I'll let them finish and I'll go, that's for, you know, or something like that. And then, oh my, I, I'm actually beginning to believe that my gender marker is, yes, sir. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> So um, anyway, so that's kind of my, my favorite story. I've, I've literally had no other, um, you know, incidences because I just don't let them happen. You know, I, I shoot very well. And, you know, in this two-way community, generally, if you're safe and you know what you're doing, you're okay, especially at the range. If you're a pain, mm -hmm. if you complain a lot or anything like that, you're dog meat, whether you're whatever your diversity tags are. And uh, so, you know, be safe, be smart and, uh, and engage people, you know, help them understand you. And uh, that's the best thing I can say. Shut up now. Yeah. Thank you, Gina. <laughs> hey, Chris, you've probably got gotten one of the more uh, recent examples. I think of, uh, you know, in 2021 where things have come out and uh, let you talk about that. Yeah. So I, I think there's uh so I'll explain, yeah, the controversy. And then I think there, for me, there's a difference between what happens online and offline. And, and I find that, you know, no surprise, online is the worst, right? It's like you just have all these keyboard commandos. You just say whatever they want to say. But in real life, I think there's, personally, I, I have very, very few negative experiences uh, in the 2A community for me being gay or me being Asian. Um, but online, yeah, it's a whole different story. So the recent controversy is I'm on the current issue of Recoil Magazine cover. On the cover, I'm wearing a black t-shirt that has a distressed American flag that has the LGBT colors on it. And when Recoil gave a preview of this cover back in June, there was just some of the worst comments that I've seen in quite some time, a lot of vitriol, a lot of bigotry, homophobia, uh, you sort of, you name it, like it was in the cesspool of, of, of the comment section. And, you know, the, the comments ranged from, you know, oh, you know, Chris is in recoil, they're desecrating the flag. But this is all hypocrisy because a lot of these commenters, you go into their profiles and they have thin blue line flags and they're wearing American flag shorts, right? While they're grilling, you know, 4th of July kind of thing. So it's like, 
you know, hey, look, if you're going to complain about, you know, you know, U.S. flag code, uh, you, you better be consistent, right? Not be violating the code, you know, flag code yourself kind of thing. But right, like the flag stuff is all veiled homophobia, right? It, it really wasn't about the flag, right? It was very much about recoil, shining the light on gun owners who don't look like um, you know, a, a large portion of the readers. You know, so one really hysterical comment I saw was someone said, oh, recoil. So is next month's ep- issue going to be uh, a, a white person, you know, and are you going to make it a, a white pride, you know, uh, issue? And recall's response is really funny. They go, look, 95% of our covers are of white straight men. So they don't need any more exposure. We want to highlight right other 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 types of gun owners, you know, in in the community. Um, so you know, thankfully though, if you if you take a closer look at what's happened on Recoil's Instagram and and their Facebook pages, the number of likes that they actually received for that post of me on the cover was like three or four x the normal number of likes on similar posts that they showed their, their cover previews. And then if you look at the number of comments, I mean, sure, right? Like, I mean, there's way more comments like than, than your typical recoil posts. Uh, and, you know, they, I would say they probably were majority negative, but it's the number of likes that I, I, I tend to zero in on, which is the silent majority of supporters. Right. I believe that the vast majority of people are good people. And it is extremely hard to positively defend someone who's under attack for, for discrimination, right? Whether it's the color of your skin, your sexual orientation, right? It's hard to put yourself out there, right? To type a comment that has your name or your handle or your brand on it and defend someone else or defend what's morally correct or defend defend freedom in this case right the message of this recoil magazine cover is that the second amendment is for everyone i'm one of many many examples right of how the second amendment is for everyone right that the cover is not saying that the second amendment is just for gay people or that it's just for asian people that like i've had some criticism you know hurled at me saying chris like you're dividing the communities like no, one that's not the intent, and even and even beyond that, no, it's not dividing the community. If you feel, if you're getting triggered like a sad little snowflake at seeing a cover with an LGBT flag on it, you know that's 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 your problem, right? And and if you see that as divisive, well, that's it's not making anything more divisive. It's just this divisiveness in your own head. But there's many of, 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 of other gun owners and even non-gun-owning Americans who understand that people will come join the cause if they see other people who look like them, talk like them, have similar beliefs and backgrounds and values and morals. And, and so, you know, for, for me, as much controversy as the recoil cover caused, you know, it's this controversy that can sometimes move the needle, right? It's like I've been a Second Amendment advocate for 10 years, but I've been an LGBT advocate for almost 20. So, you know, I, I you know, sharpened my elbows in the LGBT advocacy world way before I became a two-way advocate. Um, 
And, and, and so I think any of us who are in advocacy understand that this all takes time, right? We, we've all been probably saying some variation of the Second Amendment is for everyone, saying it to different groups. And sometimes you feel like people are listening and you're excited, but then there's other times like, man, is anybody listening? I feel like all my words are falling on deaf ears and you get demoralized. But, but it's, again, these controversial moments where I actually got hopeful, right, in the middle of all the controversy because I did see hundreds and, 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 and some, I think, you know, probably a few thousand positive comments, you know, people defending recoil, defending me, defending the LGBT community, defending the Second Amendment and the gun community, um, and, and whether it was through their words or through their likes of those posts, you know, those were very strong signals that I don't think should be overlooked or overshadowed by all the negativity that happened to boil up from the controversy. Yep, that was uh, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff came out, and that's where I think uh, yeah, this uh, topic was requested by one of our listeners, um, and I think that kind of led to a little bit of it. And it's um, a very good topic for people to be thinking about and discussing. Beth, do you want to share something uh, with us? Yeah, I'd love to. And actually, um, Chris, quite a few things that you said were like light bulbs for me because, I mean, I know like starting with Delta Defense when it was so small. I mean, I remember the newspaper articles for the small little town of West Bend, Wisconsin. The front page of the newspaper was that the entire town was going to get shot up. There was going to be gunfights on every corner. That's how crazy it was when when the company started um, and moved out of Tim's basement into an actual space. And it was just, it was like, whoa, like, hold on a second. Um, and then fast forward, you know, starting to become who I was all along, um, just openly, um, when I sat down with the writer to write my story about domestic violence, at the exact same time, he wrote a second story that was not published. Um, I have copy, I, I'm pretty sure I have copy of it somewhere. But the same writer that wrote the story about my domestic violence also wrote about me coming out as being gay and what it meant to be in the gun community and how that has impacted me and, and that whole experience. Um, my abuser used a firearm on me more than once. So for me to get into an industry like this and now use something that was so volatile and so just the complete opposite and use that as a tool and spin it around and say, look, that's, it's not just about fear. Now it's my time to take control. Um, but one of the things you said, Chris, hit as far as like, you know, it's, it's people looking like you, right? Uh, getting that image out there. Um, and, and for a little while, I mean, I had a lot of talks, a lot of talks around, around work of like, come on, like, Kevin, get this in the magazine, get it in concealed carry magazine. Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we pushing it? And it took a while. Um, and the answer just was, you know, it, they weren't ready. And, and it took me a while to be okay with that. But the thing was, it, it was not for a lack of support whatsoever within the organization. Um, every single person from Tim Schmidt down 
were so accepting and so welcoming and just everything about it was phenomenal. I cannot say enough good things about that company. Um, and fast forward a little bit more time goes by and, and some articles start going out there. And, um, and then all of a sudden I, one of our, one of the video producers walks into my office one day and says, Hey, Beth, I got a question for you. And it was one of those awkward moments. Like a family member of his is from the LGBT community. So we could always joke and say some of the things that only we can say to each other. Um, and we just laugh it off. And he was so uncomfortable to ask the question. And I'm like, hold on a second. Do you just need me to be gay for you in a video? Sure. Let's do that. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, why not? And he's like, well, do you think your, your wife would too? I'm like, uh, yeah. Like, why not? So he, and, and then we, I mean, we laughed about it. We had a cocktail over it and just, you know, I will raz him to this day about why were you so uncomfortable? Just ask me that question. Well, it came from a place of love. I'm like, I just, I know you probably catch a lot of stuff and I didn't want to say the wrong thing. And I'm like, all right, well, let's have this educational moment, right? Let's, let me teach you something. Cause it's, it was a perfect opportunity. Um, but the coolest thing was looking back on it, they never have to publish my other story about coming out because they did something much louder than that, right? That will be a story that disappears in an issue of, of the magazine. But now, the last booth at SHOT Show, COVID canceled, COVID did cancel this last year. The last booth. 2021 will get canceled. So the last booth at SHOT Show um, is a gigantic picture of my wife and I across the entire top of the booth. Um, Actually, on my Facebook page, I just did a little bittersweet, like, moving on to my new, my next career. And I, and I did a photo dump of some old pictures from USCCA that I've done through different things. And just looking at the old shot show booth and, and seeing the pictures of her and I larger than life. Um, there was three, three different pictures on that booth itself. One that spanned the entire top triangle. One that was a small side panel of her and I, um, and then one of me just, gosh, I don't know, 10 feet tall and just looking like I do now and and not fitting the normal mold that we see, right? I'm not a female with super long hair anymore with a ponytail and lipstick, right? It's not like that. And to see that picture show up in numerous things from videos to Instagram posts and ads. I mean, I'm still seeing that the, the, some of the pictures of her and I pop up and just that speaks volumes, right? It, and I, and kind of to go back on the whole, you know, being uncomfortable in, in different two-way events, my, what I kind of have learned to just, I guess, come out with right in the beginning is I just, you know, I said earlier that rock star mentality, like I'm not taking any crap from anybody anymore. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to do me. And it's for me to make others like me feel comfortable or others not like me, but just other people in general, I guess is probably the better way to say it is I just say, you know, cut the crap and cut and stop the labels, right? We say we want diversity and inclusion, right? Pride month is all about inclusion and every, you know, every company will get out there with something with 
with the, the pride flag on it to make some money, but that's not what it's about. We are so worried about inclusion, but yet we're still so willing to have to have a label on it. I don't care if you're gay, straight. I don't care what your sexuality is. I don't care what religion you follow. Just be a decent human being. Um, you know, one of the best experiences and actually I will never to this day, I will never forget my first time teaching as a training counselor for USCCA. I can still, it just, it's like a video in my mind. Um, I had an old, I mean, I was always the only female to be on the range. This was before Beth Alcazar started with the company. Like I was, it was pretty much just me and a bunch of guys. So I always had to like, you know, puff up my chest a little bit, hold my own, razz them a little bit, but that's, it was fun, right? We, we laughed, we had fun with it. Um, and there was, I was the only female instructor that weekend um, in my class of potential candidates to become certified instructors. There was one female as a student and the rest were males. And I don't know how many males, maybe our class was, gosh, I don't know. 10 maybe. Um, and one of the guys, when I did my intro said, I have a law enforcement background at one point in that weekend, he made a comment and it wasn't about being gay. It wasn't a religious comment. It was a sexist comment. And immediately I, my head, I snapped and I'm like, wait a second, hold on. And I called an audible and I'm like, all right, this isn't going to fly and calling him out and saying, look enough. Like, I saw the look on the, that other student's face when you made that comment. Well, I was just joking. I was just joking. Like, I don't care. That's not a joke to her. And, and I ended up having to pull him outside in the hallway, have a conversation and say, look, either this kind of behavior ends now, or I cannot certify you to become an instructor. Period. End of discussion. Not going to happen. And his response to me was, well, you said you were in law enforcement. Girl, you better have thicker skin than that. And I said, hold on a second. You could call me every single name in the book and you are never going to offend me. You are never going to upset me. But don't you dare ever make anybody else that isn't like me feel like they're less than. And from that moment on, it's just I've, I've really just come to be one of those people that, look, cut the crap. I don't I don't even want to put a label on it. Just be a decent human being. And that, that's the biggest thing for me. That's, that's really great, Beth. And thank you for sharing that uh, story with us, because I think in a lot of cases, there are a lot of uh, people that might, you know, think of, of uh, laughing it off as uh, no big deal. But on the flip side of it, um, you know, it can hurt somebody. And that's where we've got to be very cognizant of our our words and not just what our intention is uh, for it from that standpoint. Got, got a question. Uh, when it comes to our instructors, um, we might be thinking, you know, this is a great group, um, you know, a great topic, different things. But if we've got students or we want to be, as instructors, want to reach out to uh, different groups to help them um, with it, can you go along and suggest some uh, groups that either you work with um, or that um, 
that, that the instructors might be able to work with to help people or even, you know, potential students to be able to point them that way. And I think uh, Chris was talking about the um, Asian Pacific uh, Gun Owners Association. If you want to tell us a little bit about that and uh, maybe how people can get get a hold of those, uh, yeah. get involved with those groups, that'd Ab- be great. Absolutely. Yeah. Two, two groups I'd actually love to plug. Um, the first one is APA GOA stands for Asian Pacific American Gun Owners Association. Website is apagoa.org. And uh, it's a brand new uh, uh, gun organization uh, focused on safety, training, and, uh, and education and community. And really, we want to be the, the place where any uh, new shooter or experienced shooter, whether you're Asian or not, right, come to APAGOA to both learn how to shoot um, and, and also, right, how to, uh, and if you want to purchase a firearm, one of the key things that we're working on is translating a lot of firearm safety content into Asian languages, which I think is, which we've started to hear is a big barrier to, to, to people learning how to go shoot and, and let alone buying a gun, right? The 4473 background check form, it's all in English. And, you know, so you can have somebody assist you filling out that form, but how do you make that, uh, how do you, how do you go through that process without it being a straw purchase, right? So it's fine if someone's helping you fill out that form, but anyways, right, there's all of these sort of intricacies, um, where race, sorry, uh, language, right, is, is, uh, somewhat of a blocker or a barrier. Uh, APA GOA is striving to remove as many of the barriers, whether it's a language barrier um, or back to, you know, hey, sometimes I, I, I hate that this is sometimes the way it is, but sometimes uh, some Asian people want to go train from other Asian people. It's not the way that I think the world should be, but I think it's very similar with different races. And so on some level, we have to meet people 60% of the way. <laughs> like, look, okay, right. If you, if, if you are Asian and you want to go find an Asian instructor, then you know what, like, let's just do our best to try and facilitate those connections. So APA GOA, I, at one point I would love, and again, we're brand new. I would love to see us, you know, right, form a roster of, you know, uh, APA friendly or APA instructors. So, right. Anyone who, uh, you know, wants to go learn how to shoot, they have a resource a list, a roster of instructors who are willing to support them. Uh, and then the second group that I'd love to plug is Pink Pistols, also uh, known as Operation Blazing Sword. Uh, so, you know, Pink Pistols started uh, 21 years ago after a uh, Slate magazine article was written about, you know, there's a lot of gay bashing that was happening in the, in the 90s. And the author proposed that the gay community train and arm ourselves so we don't get bashed. And from that article, uh, you know, started, I think there's you know, hundreds of chapters, right, of the Pink Pistols. Um, and then that's the, the Pink Pistol story took its next, you know, turned the page in its next chapter back in 2016 with the Pulse Orlando nightclub shooting. This was an LGBT nightclub. It was at the time our nation's worst domestic terrorist attack where over a hundred Americans were either killed or injured uh, by a crazed shooter. And through the Pulse nightclub shooting was, was uh, this group called Operation Blazing Sword that was born from the tragedy. And so Operation Blazing Sword is a nationwide map 
of pro-LGBT, pro-Second Amendment instructors who put their names and contact information on a Google map and said, anyone in the LGBT community that has been impacted by the Pulse nightclub shooting or by any you know, kind of LGBT violence against yourself or people you love and know, these instructors said, we're here for you. Many of them said, we'll offer discounts on training. A lot of them said, we'll just train you for free. It was really incredible. 1,800 instructors across the country you know, offered their names and services. And, um, and so I'm, I'm really proud to be on the board of directors you know, for both the Pink Pistols slash Operation Blazing Sword, uh, as well as APA GOA. So yeah, thanks for giving me a chance to talk about those two groups that I'm a part of. Great, Chris. And, you know, one of the things where I think I'm getting educated on is I don't know a lot of these groups. So you bring them up. Um, I'm writing it down. We'll make sure they're in the show notes. And, um, you know, because they're great things for instructors to get associated with, not only to be able to supply information to their students, but also to, you know, offer their services too. also. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. Tamika, do you have any uh, that you know of uh, that are either out in the uh, Nevada area or back in the Indiana area? Well, actually, I, I, I don't. And that was a wonderful uh, list. I mean, you know, for us as instructors, I'm telling you, it was it wasn't until <laughs> Rob, when you told us you were doing this <laughs> diversity panel, we were just going about it. We were we felt like we are the pioneers. We don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> uh, we're so elated to know that, you know what, we are not alone. Um, so I'm really sitting back and just taking the full advantage. But what I will say is one of the. Um, teaching elements or points that we always bring out to those that will come to our class is to try to help them understand that firearms is a culture. And and just like any culture, it's about, you know, positioning yourself to learn about that culture and helping empower them not to be afraid that they can enter in, learn about that culture and be about that, uh, be a part of that culture as well. Um, And so I'd say it's just about knowing, hey, you're not alone. Um, there are resources out there. Um, reach out and there's going to be uh, someone that, and something that you can connect to um, to help you start your journey. And whether it's 20 percent, 30, 40, 50, 60, you know, all the way up to 100, just not to be afraid um, that you're really not alone. So I know I'm encouraged. So I hope that's just an encouraging, um, you know, empowerment for others. Super. Beth, do you have any uh, to share? Um, Chris took the two that I was going to talk about. Um, actually, <laughs> after Pulse um, is when I really dug in and I said, look, and I went to some of the people at USCC and I'm like, we need to talk about this. We have to get ahead of this. Why can't like, let's do this. And, and for not for, you know, not without a lack of, of effort, um, you know, being a small company that was growing that fast, like uh, other things took precedence and my job took me, didn't allow me to do it full time. Um, So I did my own research and I found Operation Blazing Sword um, and reached out and, and talked to Gwen and, and, and looked into the pink pistols and literally just did anything and everything I could, you know, getting on the map, offering free training, you know, anybody to come and take a class. Um, And, for me, I still live in a very, very conservative, close-minded community. Um, and I know I, it just, I've tried little things here and there to just really get out in front of it and, and, and put the label on it, but I've had way more success not. And just being welcoming and 
you know, ready to just, you know, be like I said earlier, you know, we're going to cut the crap. We're going to drop the labels and we're just going to talk to each other like human beings. Um, but Operation Blazing Sword and, and, and working through some of those people and then just everybody that I've met through USCCA, um, you know, doing work with, you know, the well on Women group or Girl in a Gun group or, I mean, there's so many people that are part of those organizations, but there's so many people to this day that can't even come out yet. So for those that can't come out and have their own label, why do we need to have them to begin with? Let's take them away and let's just treat people like people. So that's that's kind of what I've got. Not a whole lot to add to the list. Sorry about that, Rob. Not a problem at all, Beth. Um, you know, you guys are my brain trust and you're educating me as well as our listeners uh, that will listen to this. So that's great. And uh, Gina, you have anything to uh, share from the great state of California there? Um, well, first of all, um, Pulse was also a big deal for me. Um, it, I, a young person in town got real enthused and wanted to do something about it. And unfortunately, it didn't work out real well. But I kind of restarted the San Diego uh, Pink Pistol chapter. But the thing that really got me about uh, the Pulse thing was we had 40 instructors around San Diego that volunteered to donate their time, their ranges, their people within a week. I mean, it was unbelievable how, how quickly the, uh, you know, these are the straight white guy instructors, you know, and, um, you know, and the girl in a gun groups really got uh, going. Uh, we have two girl in a gun groups, a uh, well-armed woman group. Um, we have a two act or active uh, ping pistol group. We have uh, another competitive group. Um, so, you know, it, there's just a lot of, synergy going on with all these different groups my proudest is the group that i'm i'm wearing the shirt on because i'm going to their picnic tonight and San Diego county gun owners you know two years in a row the top volunteer of the organization was a trans person you know in this huge uh i mean it's big we have 2500 people in it and uh, and it's a top volunteer without and there was like no issue it was exactly what beth was saying it was just you know, this is the person that's bringing the most people to the table. This is the person that's doing the most good work in the community. And it, it, they didn't announce this is the trans person of the year you know, or anything like that. It was just the volunteer of the year. And um, so, you know, reach out, be part of these groups. Don't don't go walking in with any silly ego, um, you know, or, or anything, you know, axe to grind. Just be there for the other people. And be that decent human being, that person with character that uh, that we want that we want to interact with. I mean, it's amazing how quickly people's minds change as soon as they realize, oh, you're not that scary person that everybody told me about in my life. And Beth, you really need me to come to your little town. I'll have a ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll arrange that after this podcast. Hey, Tony, you got anything to share? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I'm part of, uh, well, I volunteer for almost anything that I can find uh, here in Jersey. I volunteered for um, CNJFO, which is uh, <clears throat> a great organization here that's working towards getting us carry permits uh, in the state of New Jersey. I volunteer with them any chance I get. I volunteer with ANJRPC, which is also uh, the NRA's uh, state chapter here. And uh, I volunteer for their family day because it's just about human beings. Uh, I volunteer 
uh, for their shotgun uh, uh, shoot. And it's like I've run about 200 people through shooting a shotgun for the very first time in a day. And it's a lot of fun. But uh, with the <laughs> Operation Blazing Sword thing, I jumped on it immediately when I heard about it um, with Aaron because she's awesome. So I was one of the first names on the list here in Jersey. And also, if you go to my website, diversityshoot.com, one of the shirts I sell is uh, something Aaron came up with, uh, the Planet Lovetron shirts. And um, <laughs> she was like, hey, Tony, I'd like to put a picture of you uh, on a T-shirt and sell it. And we've been doing that since December of 2019. And the funds go towards Aaron and also my organization. So it's pretty cool. Um, because it's really about reaching out to all people because the second is for everyone. And I don't care what you are, as long as you're a decent human being. If you want to put a label on it and you feel comfortable with that label, cool. I'm for whatever you are. But to me, you're just a human being. And as a human, I love you. Um, that's it. And I want you to be able to defend yourself, take care of your family. So I volunteer with groups. Uh, a lot of guys go, Tony, I can't do everything you do. I can't go here. You can volunteer for free in your hometown. You can be the dude that just brings people in your circle to the range. You don't have to be a part of an organization. I think it really helps not only the organization, but the country as a whole, as a whole. But you can do it on your own. You don't have to come to my diversity shoot. You can teach your friend's daughter's cousin how to shoot a gun or just invite them out. You don't have to be a part of an organization just to be a Second Amendment advocate and a Second Amendment ambassador. And I think that's what a lot of us miss, that you think you have to give funds to someone to actually do good work. You can just do good work. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, uh, thank you, Tony, there. And I will uh, quote a uh, person I listen to and probably several of you are familiar with, uh, Ken Blanchard, Reverend uh, Ken there. And he says, um, you know, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. So <laughs> great, great quote. And I love it every time uh, Ken goes along and uh, talks about his podcast. Hey, I know for our listeners out there, this is one of our longest episodes that we've uh, had, uh, but got some final thoughts here for everybody, and we'll do a quick uh, round robin, and uh, Gina, we'll let you go first. I'm always first. No, anyway, uh, <laughs> first of all, it's been awesome just to sit here with uh, the six of, you know, the five others of us, the six of us, and, and hear, hear each of you basically say the same thing that I've been thinking in my brain and working within this community for a long time. Um, get out of your shell, get out, be who you are, be the decent person, help others learn. This is a basic human right. Um, as a trainer, your obligation isn't to judge somebody other than to help them be the best shooter they possibly can. Because that one day, that one thing may save their life. And uh, if you approach it with that, you know, in your mind, um, nothing else matters. I mean, it, it, this is why I work at Frontsite for peanuts because I train 40 people a week or more in giving them the basic opportunity to um, protect themselves and their family. And um, to me, that's the absolute most valuable thing I can give to another human being. Yeah, thanks, Gina. Uh, Tamika, final thoughts? 
Yeah, Rob, you know, you you ask us all the time, of course, in our last few podcasts about what we're reading. Um, and I thought it was so timely. One of the books that I'm reading right now is called Hearing Beyond the Words by Emma Justice, J-U-S-T-E-S. Um, and really is hearing beyond the words how to become a listening pastor. So I'm going to tweak that and say how to become a listening person. Um, and one of the things it talks about is the hospitality of listening. Um, and when we're talking about diversity and inclusion, it's all about uh, the listening. And one of the things it, it says, the characteristics about the hospitality of listening is that it takes vulnerability, humility, thoughtful availability, and reciprocity. And I can see uh, in this whole thing and, and, and what we're talking about that um, it, it's going to take that vulnerability of opening up and stepping into areas that you're unsure of when it comes to diversity um, and accepting others and other thought processes that's not like yours. Um, humility, well, you got to be humble to be vulnerable. Uh, thoughtful availability is just surrounding, um, carving out time and making time available uh, to someone that's different than you. And then reciprocity, of course, is the give, take, and all of it. So um, those are my final thoughts, and I hope that's uh, able to help somebody. It's, it's been great. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Tamika. Chris? Some final thoughts? Yeah, final thoughts for me is it really comes down to being out and proud. And I've seen too many gun owners who are closeted gun owners and they are overtaken by fear and shame that they that they they see coming in, right? When there's a mass shooting, all of a sudden, right, it's us gun owners that are somehow culpable or somehow that we condone, right, that kind of behavior. And so the pure and simple act of being out as a gun owner and saying, I am a gun owner and that I don't support the violence that I see happening, right. With, with crimes being committed with guns is, is a, is a huge first step. Um, and, and I would say a primary step in helping attract more and different kinds of, of gun owners because it removes the fear, right. It removes the veil of fear and destigmatizes gun ownership when there's more good people that raise their hands and say, I'm a gun owner. The other secondary and tertiary components of this is about the LGBT and the Asian parts of my background. So, you know, I, I hate labels, but you know, the, the funny thing is that people respond to them. And I guess I always thought it would be weird for me to explicitly call out me being Asian because I look Asian. I have an Asian last name. I just never thought it would be meaningful or impactful to talk about me being Asian. But I'll tell you, in the past year and a half with all the racist attacks against Asian Americans, I have found it not only a moral imperative for me to explicitly call out my Asian background, but why it's important. And it's important because People are trying to attack people like me just because of the color of our skin, right? Like literally people in San Francisco, California, where I live are just literally getting attacked on the street. And as, 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 as a, as a race and a culture, Asians need to send a message to criminals that you can't mess with us. And part of that, where that comes from is you have to be firm in terms of who you are, whether that's you're Asian or you're a woman or you're black or even you're, it doesn't matter, or if you're white, right? It, just, it sort of is just really doesn't matter what your background is, but you have to be out and you have to be proud. And, and so 
it's the same thing with the LGBT community, right? It's like we're all these marginalized groups at times are being harassed, intimidated, attacked, injured, killed. And the firearm is a great equalizer in many cases. It is a thing, it is a tool that can also prevent attacks, right? No one has to get hurt, but hey, if somebody you know, has a defensive, you know, uh, you know, defensive use of a firearm, right? That doesn't mean you sh actually fire a shot, but just simply, you know, simply presenting a firearm or making it known that, hey, I am armed, right? I am a gun owner. I am gay. I am Asian. Back to, I am a gun owner, <laughs> right? Uh, th these, this is um, all signals, right, that we send, right, out to the world, but that all has to, it starts with us, right, as individuals knowing who we are and presenting ourselves to the world. And so, yeah, uh, I just, again, uh, for, for this particular podcast, I really just want to encourage people to be out as gun owners, because that is, that is the single thing that unites us all. And, or if you're not a gun owner, right, you, you support gun, you know, you know, safe, uh, responsible usage of firearms. But if you own a gun, don't be afraid to say I'm a gun owner. Great. Thanks, Chris. Beth, last uh, final thoughts. Yeah. So first, I Rob, just thank you for having all of us here tonight. I've I have learned a tremendous amount. Um, it's re-energizing. It's exciting. Um, so I appreciate I appreciate the the conversation and the opportunity. Um, I think one of the the most successful time, actually any time I'm at the range, the the times that I'm the most successful, I think, comes just from you know, I mean, there's been bits of what all of you have said so far, but it's, it's, to me, it's, it's meeting somebody where they're at. Um, I have had people walk into the range, you know, maybe it's a husband and wife or just two friends and say, look, I don't really want to be here, but they're my ride and I'm terrified of guns. Okay. Let's have a conversation. Um, and what I, what I tell people whenever I get the, well, I can't believe, you know, you're pro gun and why do you, why would you need to carry a gun? And it, it's, you know what? People are going to do harm in any way they possibly can. If somebody is, is, I guess, just has that mindset that they want to do somebody harm, they're going to do it. Right. It was a, it was a truck full of fertilizer for Oklahoma city. It was airplanes at nine 11. It was, I mean, look at how many cars have been driven into, into crowds of people, right? It's not the tool. It's the mindset. So meeting people where they're at and just having a conversation. Um, you know, I'm terrified of guns. I was, you know, I, I've, it's never been a thing. It was never accepted in my family. Well, let's talk about it. Here's why I do it. Let me tell you about, let me tell you about me for a second. Or just look, why don't you like them? What, what, what is preventing you from, from, you know, considering taking care of yourself and, and being your own protector um, and just getting to know somebody, whether it's for two minutes, five minutes, a half hour, or become friends. Um, it's really meeting somebody where they're at and being willing to have a conversation that in this world today, we don't want to have conversations. We want to be those keyboard warriors that are just divisive and forcing wedges with everybody. Let's stop that. Right. Like I said before, I mean, it's not about labels. Do we want to put a label on it for some? It's a, it's very impactful. It's very powerful. But there's some that can't put their label 
can't wear their label on their chest, can't, you know, it, and, and that's okay. But just encouraging people to take control of their own lives and their own safety and just meet them where they're at. Um, I think that that's kind of my driving force and, and it doesn't matter what ethnic group you come from or what religious background you have or gay, straight, it doesn't matter. We're all human beings, right? And just have a conversation and understand the weak will be attacked, right? There are bad people. It's, it's not a surprise, right? It's just like saying, guess what? Home invasions happen when you're at somebody's home, right? I mean, it's going to happen. We just have to be willing to have a conversation and just sharing your, your knowledge. And it's, it's so powerful. So again, Rob, I appreciate you having me here and I appreciate you doing this panel. It's, it's pretty exciting. Yep, Very exciting. Thanks, Beth. And Tony, final thoughts. I'm glad you had us on. It's really important um, to see you not alone. It's rough sometimes, especially living in a state like New Jersey, like California, like where you have so many battles um, legislatively that we do lose at times or you feel like you're fighting uphill all the time. And, and you need to take a step back, take a breath, realize you're not in this fight alone. Maybe talk to some of your friends that are in this fight um, because, dude. <laughs> It's kicked in the Jimmy a lot, bro. I mean, I fought really hard against the 10-round magazine limit, and, and we lost. Um, but what do you do? Well, you support the groups that are taking this fight to the courts. You get out there. Um, there are going to be L's. There are going to be wins, too. And running away from the fight is not how you fight. So when you get down, when you get angry, double down on the things you're doing because you're fighting for the good. You're doing something for future generations. This is not just for us. This is for everyone that comes after us. You have to look deeper. Do what you have to do to grow this community, period. Don't make excuses because you see enough of that online because really some gun owners are the biggest snowflakes I know. They can't take any criticism. They can't take an L. They can't, they, they can't take that loss. Oh my God, what are we going to do? I'm, I guess I lose all of my guns in a boating accident. I guess I'll move out of the state. No, you need to, if you can, stay here and fight. Stay here and fight and do what you have to do. Um, no, you didn't lose your guns in a boating accident. You're going to be the dude that goes out and actually gets more people into the community. You have to be an ambassador. And uh, speaking of ambassadors, one of, one of my best volunteers is Alan Wong. Alan, I call him the ambassador because the first time I met him, he had five people from his workplace over at the range by himself. He's not an instructor. He's an ambassador. He was introducing them to firearms. Every time I see him, he's introducing people to firearms. His dad, his father-in-law, it doesn't matter to him. So that's the kind of person you need to work on becoming. And then he found out about what I do and he's shown up at my events and he brings really cool stuff that you've never seen. I mean, we're a bunch of gun people in the room, so he shows up with uh, a broom-hounded Mauser 9mm. Who the heck sees that? You know what I mean? Who's seen a red 9? A lot of people haven't, so he brings that to the group. Um, I introduced him to black powder revolvers because there's so many aspects of firearms, firearms ownership, and the fun of it. 
we have the easy part. Once we get them to the range and get them shooting, they realize how much fun it is. Then they start talking to people next to them. And you'll have a guy that has a $5,000 pistol that will let you shoot his $5,000 pistol. I won't let you drive my $2,000 car. I won't let you shoot my guns. I don't care. Grow the community. Like Beth said, just be a good human being. It ain't that hard. And most of us in the firearms community volunteer on so many different levels any damn way. Let people know that you're that good person. In Jersey, yes, it could be career ending to let people know you're on firearms. Um, Here, my local PD actually called my supervisor when I applied for a permit and asked, was it okay for me to own a gun? That was 100% illegal. That could have ended horribly for me. But my supervisor knew what kind of person I was. And also he didn't give a damn, <laughs> but it helped out. And uh, he was like, yes, this guy can have whatever he wants. And that started, allowed me to own firearms, to teach people and to train people. So it doesn't take you starting a group. It doesn't take you working for USCCA to make a difference. You just have to want to. That's all. That's it. So that's my little, little John. Oh, and by the way, I had no idea Chris was Asian. I had no clue. Okay. Thank you, Tony. Sorry, Tony. I had to come out as Asian on this podcast. So. <laughs> I, I'm not black. I, uh, in a, uh, I identify as a gun bunny. I wasn't sure you guys were black. <laughs> okay, Tony. Next time I meet you, we'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> well, hey. We began this podcast and everybody introduced themselves, uh, different things. And I, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, I, what you identified as different things like that, but Gina, Tamika, Chris, Beth, and Tony really want to thank you for your time tonight. Um, it was, this, this is probably quite honestly, the toughest podcast I've done. And that's mainly because I'm so far out of my comfort zone. Um, I'm a Midwestern guy. Um, but I knew that this it was a topic that was suggested by Andrew, one of our listeners. And when he brought it to me, I knew it was something that we, that needed to be brought out because of everything that the five of you have brought to this podcast of going along and making sure people realize how to be welcoming, how to go along and build those relationships with people that may not identify with you as what you are, but realize that there's a bigger goal there of building a relationship talking about firearms and about 2A advocacies, because with those, um, we're better uh, with those relationships. And that's one of the things I think that we've been uh, very successful at. We've also made the longest podcast on record for me, which um, I'm glad everybody uh, hung in there for. And uh, hopefully, and I would definitely say we'll we'll come up with another panel discussion sometime in a couple months and and discuss some other things that are very um important for the firearm communities because i think this this is uh, definitely one that i'm going to put a big star next to and recommend to everybody to uh get it out there and get people thinking about it and talking about it because all of you made it extremely interesting so thank you for your time thank you. thanks Rob, thank you so much us. this is amazing that's a wrap for this episode we want to announce this week's podcast winner this week's winner is Paul N, and he won a barrel block. Next week, we are giving away a vehicle firearm tactics course, either in DVD or digitally. Visit podcast.concealedcarry.com to enter in for our weekly prize giveaway. Remember, you can't win without entering, and your entries do not carry over from week to week. If you have any ideas for 
new episodes, suggestions on guests to have for feedback, please email me at FTP at concealedcarry.com. Remember to check out our website where you can search for various topics from marketing to instructor training at farmtrainerpodcast.com, or you can leave us a comment on an episode. Share a podcast on your social media and help other trainers receive the same great information. Visit our sponsors, especially the Firearms Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Remember, use promo code FTP10 for 10% off. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy in making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.